Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to another episode of Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly dose of geeky goodness. Hey, it's summertime. It's July 9th, 2017. This will be podcast 642. This week, we're going to talk about... Uh, I decided to do a show about a TV movie... Uh, sorry, just TV. TV, mostly television. Uh, robots, androids synthetic humans, whatever you want to talk about. Um, there's been a lot of stuff lately in movies, oh, even TV, uh, where this has come up. Uh, there was also a podcast done for the show uh, by the Rusted Robot folks that covered uh, movie robots, uh, which is a whole other area. But I'm going to try to st stick to television this week uh, and, and cover yeah some of the big highlights there and uh, – in no particular order or or favoritism exactly, but uh, things that come to mind for me. But anyway, um, that'll be the main show. I'm going to also talk about the new Spider-Man Homecoming movie, which I just saw yesterday. Try not to spoil that for, for anyone because it's just been out a couple of days. Seems to be getting a lot of good reviews, uh, and I, of course, enjoyed it. And uh, and But I'll talk a little bit about that here on the show. So let's get into it. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of War. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi's trick flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's, it's a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is uh, Reach Cole, and you're listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. Hey again, folks. This is Rico, of course. Uh, let's get some businessy type business. Uh, sounds so formal. Let's get some housekeeping. That's another way to put it, uh, stuff out of the way. If you'd like to support Treks and Sci-Fi, uh, please do so via Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Treks and Sci-Fi. Just, you know, a dollar a month, $2 a month, uh, you can set up there real easily. Uh, you can use PayPal that via that and, and more about that in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, that helps pay for some of the upgrades to the show. I, I've built this uh, new little set here. I'm going to try to add a few things to this uh, in the next uh, month or two over the summer. But um, and support the podcast. Podcast. Got to get into this here on Sunday morning. The uh, uh, ho hosting fees for the podcast is what I was trying to say. Yes. So uh, and uh, and, and new equipment. I still need to get a new mixer. I probably have been talking about that forever. Uh, but 
I've just kind of got one that I kind of like in a way, but I, I want to get a USB connecting one at some point. So, um, yeah, I'm going to dial up. It looks like my volume's a little low maybe here. Or maybe I'm speaking low. I don't know. But, uh, okay. And, uh, oh, uh, PayPal. I had a weird thing happen in the last week or two. Um, had about a, maybe 10, 12 donations come in over the course of a few days of a dollar each. One of them uh, filed a, a, you know, quote unquote, a claim with PayPal that said they didn't get their item or whatever. You know, I, I did a little scouting around and searching, and this could be of interest for other people who do podcasts and and have donation things set up. If you guys ever run into this, but there appears to be some kind of weird PayPal scam thing that people try, where even with a small donation like that of a dollar, they can they can create this claim, which would eventually get them maybe like more money back. Like I was seeing uh, posts of $10 back for $1. I don't know how that works. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I, I went in, I refunded that person's dollar, uh, which I still lose like, I don't know, 20 cents because there's transaction fees or something like that. But And I did that for all the rest of them. Then I went ahead, and if the people who who are trying this scam are listening at all, then I went ahead and changed my my main PayPal address to something else. And I'm not going to release that right now. If you'd like to donate to me via PayPal, um, just send me an email. Send me an email at treksf at gmail.com, and I'll let you know what the new PayPal address is to send in funds. Right now, if you try the old one, it just won't accept it. it it'll it'll try it'll sort of send it, but it won't. Um, since I've disabled that email, it won't accept it. So uh, if if that makes sense, anyway, it should block the those if anyone's trying it. And I figure in a few weeks they'll give up and go on to someone else or something. It's not a huge thing. It's just kind of annoying. And uh, again, like I said earlier, the best way to do it is just do it via Patreon. Uh, that that's um, that's the best way to do these donations for podcasts. I feel this this in this day and age. I mean, I most of the podcasts that I listen to, anybody who has uh, a Patreon set up, uh, I I donate via that, and, and I like that. The the is a better way. It's a, it's a much more regular thing, and it, again, pretty inexpensive overall for all the entertainment that I get. I mean, I listen to shows that come out weekly. And donate a, a dollar or two a month for them, and I figure that's well worth the entertainment and value that they give me. So, uh, okay, enough about all that jazz. Um, but uh, I wanted to get that out there. So, Spider-Man: Homecoming, cool movie. Let's play. Uh, let's play one of the uh, TV spots now and get in the mood for uh, talking a little bit about Spidey. You're young. You don't understand how the world works. Stay close to the ground. I know you sneak out every night. What is going on with you? Look, I've been treating me like a kid all the time. You are a kid. What if you died tonight? What are you hiding, Peter? I just got to do this on my own. Spider-Man! Spider-Man Homecoming. Spot something like that happening, you run the other way. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so there you go. There's a little TV spot for uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Opened on July 7th with uh, some showings Thursday night. Uh, making a lot of money. Uh, it's doing real well at the box office. I think it even beat Wonder Woman 
for its Thursday night or Friday, something like that. It's going to make like $120 million this weekend or something. Anyway, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Tom Holland is a great Spider-Man. I, I think he, he does a really good job. He It was nice and, and I think a completely great, super great, wise move to bring Spider-Man back to much younger, early days uh, version you know, even though they had tried with even the Tobey Maguire movies and Andrew Garfield, those guys obviously were older trying to play younger, uh, and it, it kind of didn't, you know, it always seemed a little weird to me, but uh, uh, even though I like those, and I really like Toby and Andrew Garfield, both of them I think brought certain things to the to the role of Spider-Man. I, probably Toby even away a bit more to me. I, I, I think that first... And the second movie, the, the the first two Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, I think are excellent, really. And, and this one is very, very good and excellent too, in a, in a different way. They, you know, without giving anything away, it, it, you know, what you see in the trailers and the TV spots uh, are what you're going to get. Uh, he he's a good, you know, he Tom Holland handles the character super well, uh, and and is super earnest and and obviously can handle the stunts and the athletic parts of the movie quite a bit it looks amazing looks incredible i saw it in a normal my son my older son and i went steven and i went uh we saw it in in normal i I hate to say 2d uh, but uh, not 3d i don't know what it'd be like in 3d i probably won't see it in 3d because that's not a big thing for me but although spider-man could be interesting to see in that uh, i i think uh yeah and they used i think they used a good mix of you know, you definitely can see, you know, Tony Stark Iron slash Iron Man is in the movie. And I, I think they used a good amount of him and not too much, which was there was a little concern, I think, it, for some for me a little bit that that might be too much, you know. But uh, I think it was a super good balance there. Michael Keaton as the vulture. Again, nothing, nothing that isn't in the trailers that I'm talking about. Michael Keaton is just great. And I'm so glad that to see him. You know, he kind of vanished a little bit, you know, for a bit. I mean, he wasn't in a lot of movies, but in the last few years, he's really... I still want to go see that or, or see it sometime, I guess, when it comes on Netflix or whatever. That that uh, that movie he did, that documentary thing kind of... Well, not really a documentary, kind of a docudrama, they call it. The the, the thing where he plays one of the guys who started McDonald's or, or bought McDonald's or something like that. Um, forget the name of the movie. But, um, but yeah, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming... A lot of fun. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's the best. He's the best Spider-Man. It's the best Spider-Man movie ever. I like it a lot. I really did. I had a great time. It was fun. It was fresh. Uh, there are, I don't want to say too many details, but th- there were a few things I wish they had put in that they didn't. That's all I'll say now. Um, but um, but yeah, I really liked it a lot. Uh, I, I, I don't like to go like, you know, the minute it's like the new hotness, the new freshness, right? You know? We're all like, oh, this is this is great. And then, you know, five years later go by and then they do something new and we go, oh, this is the greatest. No, this is the greatest. And it, and it becomes this never ending cycle. And I guess there are some people who look at it more critically and say, yeah, I really like this one more than the others or whatever. I would say I still I still really have a special place for the Tobey Maguire first couple of Spider-Man movies. Uh, I like this one a ton. Uh, this new one, uh, but uh, y- y- anyway, that you know, when I talked about a lot of this, I think last week on the podcast, Spider-Man and Peter Parker, the character in that comic book, um, you know, the comic book character of Spider-Man is really 
important to me. One of my, you know, probably it is my favorite, you know, he's my favorite superhero basically. So this is a tricky thing for me because I look at it from an, from uh, somebody who's read comics for so many, so many years and knows, knows the character, knows his, his, uh, you know, the, the cast of characters around him. And they're, of course, trying to change things up quite a bit in this movie in a way. Uh, you don't see a lot of the old traditional characters. You see them, but in a, a very different way. Like Flash is there, you know, which is Flash Thompson from from Spider-Man, you know, one of the high school guys he goes with or grew up with. But he's, he's quite a bit different in this movie and so forth. And that's, I'm cool with all that. That's fine, but it, it's there's you know when you've read something for years and years and years, it gets drilled into your brain, right? So it becomes hard to kind of take you know pull back from that. But um, but no, it's a great movie, a great movie for the kids uh, too, especially kids that are probably like around eight, nine, that age or so, because I mean there are a few things in here. I think it's probably rated PG thirteen, but there's no language. There's no, you know, I mean, there is obviously some violence and a couple of, a couple little more intense scenes, but um, it's certainly, I think, okay for that age. Uh, in my opinion, if they've seen, you know, comic book movies before, there's nothing more in this than you haven't seen in those other movies. So, um, but yeah, go see it. It's really good, really well done. I'm excited to see more. There are, uh, I'll warn people if you don't know already, there are two scenes that they put in the credits one uh, just a little bit into the credits if I remember it's maybe uh, a minute or something into the credits and then of course one at the very very end of the movie uh, I like staying for those I like seeing them I, I don't mind hanging around for a couple extra minutes uh, I think these are a little less important than other movie credit scenes they've done but they're still fun so that I'll, I'll just say that so all right uh, I hope I haven't spoiled anything. I don't. I try pretty hard not to. Uh, but um, again, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming very much enjoyed it, and uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing it again. Maybe when it's still in the theaters, or eventually by the Blu-ray or whatever. You know, in 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 two months when it comes out, right? Uh, or three months, whatever it is. So, um, all right. Let me take. Um, I guess I'll take a short break now. And I'll come back, talk about a couple other little things, and then we'll get into the robot and Android TV, uh, TV movie, TV, I did it again, TV robots and androids and synthetic humans uh, here on Trex and Sci-Fi. Be back in a moment. I'm a television junkie, and the real world stumps me. I got a lot of problems, why don't somebody solve them? Hello, I am not Jen. And I am most certainly not Angela. And you are not listening to the Anomaly Podcast. But you are listening to Treks and Sci-Fi with our good friend Rico Dosti. And when you're finished with... When you're finished... When you are done listening to Rico, you can head on over to the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Fangirls with the Moosis. The socially functional fangirls who walk on the wild side. (laughs) We're the crazy hippies who know how to shoot a gun. (laughs) I do, do you? I do not, but I don't want to. Good. 
<laughs> but I support your right to. <laughs> this will never make it onto a promo. It might. Hello again. All right, I'm back. Yeah, let's talk very briefly about things that I've been watching on television. Uh, there is not a lot. I, I, I've pretty much finished things off uh, just about for the seasons, I think. I finally actually finished the third season of 12 Monkeys. Uh, that's a sci-fi show. If you guys don't know, you should really check it out. Super cool show on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, uh, related to time travel and and roughly related to the 12 Monkeys movie, but it's gone well beyond that. Uh, and uh, I like it a lot. And, and I was actually kind of surprised. I didn't realize. I thought this might have been its last season. But there is an, uh, one more season coming in uh, 2018 that they said at the end of the last episode. Uh, there was a 10-episode run. They, they did an interesting thing Sci-Fi did is they aired them over three nights in May. My TiVo just recorded them all. And I finally finished that off the other day, which was really good. Uh, let's see, Killjoys has started back up on Sci-Fi, which is a, a space, uh, sort of a space opera kind of a show, space saga, kind of a Star Wars-ish, I don't want to say that exactly, but not super hard sci-fi kind of show, more of a Cowboys and Indian, you know, in, in space, that's probably not even a good description. Anyway, what are we at, the third? I think it's the third season for that. Uh, I enjoy that show, it's fun during the summer. Uh, to have that to watch. Uh, I'm still or trying to watch the new Twin Peaks. Ugh, that show is just bizarre. <laughs> I just don't even know what to think. Uh, I'm mostly watching it just to see what weirdness David Lynch will come up with week after week. Uh, I mean, I'm like eight episodes in, which I think is about halfway through the run. And and I, I you know, I honestly have no clue of really what there's sort of a a couple of things happening, but I, I just, I don't know. Uh, there's also this new animated uh, series called uh, based on the Castlevania video game that started up on Netflix. They've only, it's a real short season. It's like four half-hour episodes, uh, which basically, you know, is almost like a two-hour movie, right? Uh, and then they also just announced they're going to do a, a, a more in the second season, I think eight episodes, double it. Uh, it's really it's really cool. It's about vampires and things like that, uh, and uh, I think it's pretty well done. I've only watched the first two. I'll probably watch the other two in the next day or two. Um, but um, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, what else? I'm watching Long Longmire still uh, finishing off the last couple of episodes of that before the new season starts. Uh, I had a couple left to go, um, and yeah, I think that's mostly it. There's not a lot. Uh, we've got uh, of course Game of Thrones coming back. In a couple of weeks, well, not even a couple of weeks. Is it one week? Yeah, I think it's just like one week, right? The 16th? Yeah, one week from today. Oh, my gosh, I just realized that. Actually, though, next week, I guess I can announce it now and say it now. Um, um, next weekend, I leave for Germany. I'm going to be in Germany for work for a week starting from the 16th to, like, the 22nd. So, like, Saturday to Saturday. Uh, I did that a couple of years ago. Uh, there are some work, car, automotive things related 
going on over there that I need to go deal with and hooking up with a, a good friend of mine who also works for the same company that I do, uh, a guy named Thomas in Germany who is a super, he's a super nerdy geek too, just like me, which is totally strange and weird in a, in a way uh, because he knows stuff just about as much as I do with a, with a lot of things, Star Trek, Star Wars, and so forth. He went to a Star Wars Celebration uh the previous one, not the one that was just happened a couple months ago in Orlando, but he was at the one in, uh, I think it was in London, a uh, yeah, a year ago, two a year and a half ago, whenever that was, um, before the Orlando one. So uh, yeah, that's going to be fun to catch up with him and talk about stuff. And uh, but I'm going to be because of that uh, next weekend there won't be a podcast, and in two weeks there'll be a guest podcast, and in three weeks I'll be back. So this is the last show for me for for a few weeks uh, because of the travels and stuff. I was going to try to do something next weekend when I got back, but I feel like I'm going to be pretty tired. So (laughs) is that next weekend? No, sorry, Uh, not next weekend I wasn't going to try to do it. I was going to try to do something in two weeks. But then I decided I'd put a guest spot in there. Next weekend, no, because I leave on Saturday and uh, be packing and getting ready on Saturday. It's like a you leave in the when I fly from Detroit to uh, Frankfurt, Germany, you leave from, you know, in the evening. Usually it's like a seven o'clock flight and you get there in the early morning on uh, German time on Sunday. It's kind of an overnight flight, basically. So, um yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, let's take a short break again, real brief, and then let's get into the main topic. We're already almost 20 minutes into the podcast, and I haven't talked anything about robots or androids or anything like that. So I'll be right back, and we're going to do that. This is Pocketbook's Star Trek novelist Michael A. Martin warbling in your ear, and you're listening to Rico on Tricks and Sci-Fi. Okay. Robots, androids, synthetic humans on television over the years. This uh, I've always been kind of excited by the idea of, of having a robot pal or an android pal. I, I thought it was, you know, I think it goes back to my, you know, growing up days with watching reruns of the original Star Trek and another very big uh, space sci-fi type show in the 60s for me was Lost in Space, which I've talked about a few times on the podcast. And of course, probably one of the best known robots on television ever was the B9 robot uh, from the three seasons of the television version of Lost in Space. Uh, you know, the, they had a young boy on there, kind of a science nerdy kind of kid, Will Robinson, who I kind of identified a little bit with, uh, being a young nerdy kid and into science and stuff. And, and his, his, this big robot pal of his, um, the B9 robot, uh, was just the coolest looking thing. I mean, it was awesome. He couldn't move very well. He just kind of rolled around, but he protected Will he, you know, he had this great, great uh, voice, and he was sort of humorous at times. And although they made him, made things a little silly, too silly for me with the Doctor Smith stuff and and the robot a bit um, towards the end of the series. But still, uh, that robot is 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 an awesome, awesome thing. My, one of two of my like holy grail uh, dream props or replicas to ever have would be. Uh, a full-size B9 robot, uh, which uh, a company, one company, maybe two, have, have done some of those. 
Uh, I think the last time, I mean, I don't even look like really, I mean, I just look for fun, but I think they were like $30,000 or something like that. And then there's also a company that does, of course, Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet, which we've talked about before and was talked about in the movie Robot Show. Um, that's another one of the classics of all time, a full-size Robbie. I'd probably prefer a Robbie over a B9 Lost in Space just because Forbidden Planet is just a, a super important movie to me and uh, of course there's so many things that uh from forbidden planet that ended up being used in a way in um in star trek although they eventually and we'll talk about it a little bit later they never really had a robot uh on on the original series basically as part of the crew uh but of course uh of course they later did with android data on next generation so uh so let me play a little bit of my friendly B9 robot from Lost in Space. Warning, 40,000 volts now in circuit. Temper, temper, temper. I am not jealous. It is a human emotion. I am not jealous. It is a human emotion. What time is it? 18.33 hours at the signal. William Shakespeare, 1564, 1616. There's a special providence in the fall of a sparrow. My, you are a many splendor thing. There is Providing the voice for the robot was our show's own announcer, Dick Tufeld. Erwin said, my dear boy, this is a highly advanced civilization. What I want is a cultured, low-key kind of approach. So now I'm doing the lines, I'm saying, Warning, warning, it will not compute. And danger, Will Robinson. And aliens approaching. And he said, no, that's not it. Try it again. And now, in my best mechanical, robotian kind of sound, I say, warning, warning, it will not compute. Danger, Will Robinson. And Erwin looks up, and his eyes get wide. And he says, my God, that's the approach I wanted. What the hell took you so long? Data inaccurate, does not compute, does not compute, does not compute. So there's a little bit of uh, the good old robot voice on Lost in Space, probably one of the uh, earliest robots that I can recall. Another one, actually, that my wife Lynn mentioned when I was telling her I was doing this podcast today uh, from an animated show, cartoon show from the early 60s, and there were later episodes made too. But from the Jetsons, we have, of course, the maid Rosie, uh, who was this sort of uh, robotic maid helper, had a very interesting voice. Um, she, uh, she was also referred to usually as Rosie the Robot. Uh, she had the model number XB-500. She was supposed to be kind of outdated. The Jetsons sort of took her in uh, and, uh, which I thought was pretty, pretty fun and pretty, uh, a neat idea. Uh, she's the family maid housekeeper. The voice was, uh, done by an actress named, uh, Jean Vanderpile. Uh, she did the voice. She kind of always wore this little frilly apron, uh, using a, a vacuum. She was kind of, her torso was mounted atop a single leg and she rolls about on some wheels. Uh, she called, uh, George, um, Mr. J all the time, and she had sort of a kind of like a uh, I don't know some kind of a New York accent kind of a voice, you know. But uh, probably better to just play a little bit of uh, Rosie uh, the maid, uh, Rosie the robot, the maid from uh, the Jetsons. Here you go. 
Efficient maid you got here, Jetson. <laughs> maid? How can you afford a maid on what I'm overpaying you? Oh, uh, well, you see, Mr. Pennypinch, I... I mean, Mr. Spacey... You got I... another job on the side, right? Oh, no, sir, I, I... You're moonlighting, aren't you? Admit it. Quiet down, Shorty. You keep out of this. Now, look here, Mr. Spacely. These are nice people. They're giving me this chance so I don't end up in the scrap pile. Jetson, where's my hat? Down, boy, down. It's bad manners to leave the table until after you've had your dessert. There now. The pineapples are right side up. And you can go. After one more thing. The opinions expressed are my own and do not necessarily reflect those of my employers. Boy, what a performance! Uh, yeah, so uh, so there you go. There's a little bit of Rosie uh, the Robot from The Jetsons, uh, another uh, classic uh, television robot uh, for all of you. Uh, next up, let's go into the, I guess we'll get into the, the 70s now. Uh, the couple of robot uh, robots there that I want to talk about. Uh, of course, we had the uh, late '70s series Battlestar Galactica, and and I guess you could call them robots or sort of androids, automatons of some kind, mechanical men. But the the Cylons, of course, uh, a very important uh, robot there for a, a villain in Battlestar Galactica didn't seem to be very like say agile didn't seem to be all that frankly good piloting their ships uh, even though they able they were able to slip in and and pretty much wipe out humanity almost completely uh, because they trick them more or less so uh, let's play um, some of the uh, Cylon voices from the original Battlestar Galactica for you attention attention his eminence, the Imperious Leader, will be with us shortly. His ship has landed at the Air Dome. Presenting His Eminence, our Imperious Leader. Scan for identification. The Battlestar Pegasus is not stopping to engage us. Impossible. That is why she is here. Pursue and destroy. destroy the Pegasus. By order of the Imperious Leader through his commander, Baltar. You are to disengage at once and move with all dispatch to Gamore to save our Imperious Leader. Disengage Pegasus and proceed to Gamore. a moment of the last Battlestar's destruction. I really think you should look at the other Battlestar, but we have not finished off the Galactica. Retreat, squadron, retreat. So there are some of the uh, Battlestar Galactica Cylons. Uh, it looks like a guy named Peter Burkos did a lot of the, the you know, technical, like, twisting of some other people's voices uh so there are other actors and stuff that supplied their actually voice but they did a lot of electronics to make that sound happen so uh 
All right, let's go on to another 70s show with a nice little robot guy. And, you know, they're, uh, I'll talk about Buck Rogers here in a minute, but um, the I think the appeal of having robots or androids or, or mechanical humans around, and, and you can see it even in this day and age, is, is companions uh, and also having, having these um, mechanical men around to, or women, I guess, um, to, to help us and maybe do things that people are, are either too dangerous for people to do or to help them, you know, maybe a robot can be stronger and do, do more than a human could do. Uh, but, um, but there's a lot of, um, sci-fi, you know, one of the, I guess the classic, you know, even Isaac Asimov wrote, you know, the three laws of robotics, right. And all that classic stuff about, you know, this this idea of where technology gets to the point where we can create an artificial type of being. Uh, is it alive or not? Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, that That's that's one of the questions that comes up in most of the modern takes on, on robots, androids, and things. Of course, we have Blade Runner, uh, a new Blade Runner movie coming, but that's, that's probably one of the best examples, the original movie of that, of what it is to be human. Right. Um, but um, but anyway, let's move on to what I was going to talk about next. Uh, Tweaky from Buck Rogers, uh, mostly kind of a comedic sidekick. But Tweaky, get, you know, helped out quite a bit uh, if for for Buck's adventures. And I had a very I think it was Felix Silva that did the voice or was he just in the body? I'll have to check while I'm playing some uh, Tweaky clips off YouTube for you. But uh, here's some Tweaky from Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Booty, booty, something from the bar, sir. Hold the phone. Nothing for me, thanks. Booty, booty. Booty, booty, booty. Booty, booty, booty. Tweaky, where are you going? Don't ask. All right, there's some tweaky and and like I uh, I thought that it was uh, it's it's Felix uh, Felix Silva Silla Felix Silla uh, I think that's how you say it who is the a- actor who was in the tweaky suit on Buck Rogers, but of course it was Mel Blanc, Mel Blanc uh, who did of course all of Daffy Duck and in Duck Dodgers spoofs and things. Uh, but uh, he did the voice for Tweaky, so there we go. All right, we've, we, we've go, of course, when you're talking about mechanical uh, robots and mechanical men and things like that in television, you got to talk about Doctor Who, right? There are two, of course, big, um, big villains throughout the years, the many years of Doctor Who on television. Uh, one, of course, are, are, are the Daleks, 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 with a doll sound, right? Daleks, not Daleks. <laughs> All right. Um, and then we have the Cybermen, which featured pretty prominently in the season finale, the, the most recent season or series, uh, depending on which side of the pond you're on, of Doctor Who. So um, so the Cybermen, to me, uh, in a way, are a little bit more like I'm talking about, and I'm just going to play a clip. Everybody's heard Daleks. I am a Dalek, you know, type of thing. But uh, the Cybermen, to me, are a bit more... Uh, of what I wanted to cover here, more look more like a person, and and at many times, you know, they they are based off of a person, right? I'm not a, 
I don't claim I don't have meds with me, so I don't claim to be a a, a major Doctor Who expert by any means. But uh, they they seem to uh, use some organic uh, you know parts to them, although sort of the Daleks too as well, right? For the most part. And I don't know how many you know. I'm probably all the guys and all the people listening overseas are probably yelling at their 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 computer or whatever they listen to a podcast on. But I'm not sure if if I I, I think I, I I'm I'm guessing a little, but I'm presuming a little bit that in the early days of Daleks and and Cybermen on Doctor Who that they were more considered just mechanical creatures, right? They weren't really based off of humans at all or anything like that or had any. And then things have changed over the years. But anyway, with all that said, very good villains. Uh, to me, the Cybermen are more, um, in a way, like I said, one I wanted to cover because they look more, they have usually, you know, two legs, two arms, a head, a body, you know, look more android human-like than, than the Daleks do. So let's uh, play a little bit of Cybermen stuff here for you. I will bring peace to the world. Everlasting peace. And unity. And uniformity. An imagination? What about that? One thing that led you here. Imagination. You're killing it dead! What is your name? I'm the Doctor. A redundant title. Doctors need not exist. Cybermen never sicken. Yeah, but that's it! That's exactly the point! Oh, Lumi, you're a clever man. I call you a genius, except I'm in the room. But everything you've invented, you did to fight your sickness. And that's brilliant. That is so human. But once you get rid of sickness and mortality, then what's there to strive for? Hey? The Cybermen won't advance. You just stop. You stay like this forever. A metal earth with metal men and metal thoughts. Lacking the one thing that makes this planet so alive! People! Ordinary, stupid, brilliant people! You are proud of your emotions. Oh, yes. Then tell me, Doctor, have you known grief and rage and pain? Yes. Yes, I have. And they hurt? Oh, yes. I can set you free. Would you not want that? A life without pain. You might as well kill me. Then I take that option. It's not yours to take. You're a cyber controller. You don't control me or anything with blood in its heart. You have no means of stopping me. I have an army. A species of my own. You just don't get it, do you? An army's nothing. Because those ordinary people, they're the key. The most ordinary person can change the world. Some ordinary man or woman, some idiot. All it takes is for him to buy, say, the right numbers, say the right code, say, for example, the code behind the emotional inhibitor, the code right in front of him. And there we have, uh, of course, uh, you know, David Tennant as the doctor uh, outsmarting the Cybermen for, the, you know, uh, another time uh, because, you know, and, I, and that theme that they're talking about in that clip there about emotions, and, you know, that's a, a critical element to mechanical creatures, mechanical men, uh, whatever, androids and so forth. That's always been a, a, one of the key elements to this whole thing, right, that, you know, you can program a machine to to sweep up. You can program a machine to build a car. You can program a, mach a machine 
to do whatever, but can they feel? Can they enjoy it or not enjoy it or 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 get angry or fall in love and all those things? And uh, and that brings us to probably one of the most fully fleshed out and realized, you know, robot slash androids or an android here. Um, in the character of Data from TNG. And I'm not going to talk a huge amount. I mean, I've talked about Data throughout talking about TNG, Star Trek TNG episodes uh, a lot over the years. But, you know, obviously Data is an android uh, and he was created to, um, you know, pretty much, you know, be used by Starfleet and and to take the place of, of human beings out in space where space exploration can be bad and dangerous and maybe there's no air or it's too hot or it's too cold or whatever but the uh and and data can certainly independently think on his own the the key with data that he was always striving for was emotions right and then eventually there was that emotion chip thing and all that uh, happened but uh but i love the fact that uh that the character of data is this you know super super smart in in, in many ways superior to a human uh, physically uh, and, you know, from an intellect standpoint uh, and, and so forth. But he, he always wishes to be human, to have human emotions and have, and have that little spark, that little extra bit that we don't have uh, that makes us human. And, 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 you know, when you think about it, um, what really, you know, drives humans is, is it, is it their, you know, is it intellect? Is it just that? Or is it emotions? And I would argue that it's it's generally emotions uh, to, to some level. Like maybe you want to do good at your job. You want to take pride in your job. That's an emotion. That's not, it's not intelligent, right? If anything, you should want to, um, to, to do different jobs, right? To, to move on from job to job. You wouldn't, you know, I've always been a person who likes to stay at a place and I feel sort of a loyalty factor there where maybe if I got a new job, I could always, you know, go somewhere else and jump jobs and make money. But I, but the emotional connection to the people that I work with and the company to some degree keeps me there in a way. Um, I'm kind of spinning off now on the tangents, but, uh, but let's play a little bit. I'll, I'll find some appropriate here clip of our, one of our favorite androids. I'm sure for everyone listening, uh, is a data from TNG. I'm curious. Why are you ignoring the one emotion you've already experienced? Why aren't you trying to make yourself angry again? Anger is a negative emotion. I wanted to concentrate on something more positive. Data, feelings aren't positive and negative. They simply exist. It's what we do with those feelings that becomes good or bad. For example, feeling angry about an injustice could lead someone to take a positive action to correct it. But my study of humanity indicates there are some emotions that are harmful, such as jealousy or hatred. Those are very strong emotions, and you're right. Very little good can come from them. But I don't think that an exploration of anger need necessarily lead to hatred or malice. But what if it does, Counselor? Yeah, so Data is obviously a, a you know, super well-known, one of the best androids out there, you know, that we all have uh, followed for a long time. 
of course, you had the Borg, uh, the this this uh, mechanical, uh, cold, uh, you know, race of beings out there uh, that um, assimilated humans. That seems to also be another ongoing theme for robots, androids out there. Whether we create the machines in like in the Terminator universe, which uh, I'm not going to talk too much about because that's mostly movies, even though they did the, do the um, Terminator, uh, the Sarah Con- Connor Chronicles on television, which is a really underrated series that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I very much enjoyed and I wish it had a longer run. Uh, had uh, had some really interesting themes going on there, and that's getting us into probably the later part of today's show where we're going to talk more about uh, androids uh, and and uh, artificial intelligence artificial people that are more look much more like us right so one of the main um ones uh, was when they did this on the updated new Battlestar Galactica the very cool thing they did on that show that Ron Moore and others who worked on that show did was they made the, they turned the Cylons from these very you know robot looking mechanical men to looking just like us that they basically these um creatures had evolved <clears throat> excuse me and it turns out that 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 man has has created them right and if you go back um the 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 short-lived series caprica explored that quite a bit more but um of course probably one of the main characters the main new cylons that we um saw on the new battlestar galactica was um uh, caprica six right played by uh the great Trisha Helfer just just really did a great job with that role. One of her, I think she was basically a model before this. I don't think she did much acting. And uh, I have one clip here. It's a short one, about 30 seconds, and it's not the best clip. I'm having trouble finding. there. When I searched for Caprica 6 or Head 6, as she was known later in Battlestar uh, Galactica in the series, I got a lot of music videos with her and Baltar, played by uh, James Callis, who was actually James Callis was in the last couple of episodes of 12 Monkeys. That, that guy is great. I, I wish he would be in a regular series over here because he's a great actor. And, and, I, and I just like his, just the way he performs the roles that he does. It's just, it's just really good. So, and Trisha Helfer too. Although she's playing, she's on that show Lucifer, which I started to watch and I, and I gave up on. She plays like Lucifer's mom, I think, or mother. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm getting frog in my throat. So I'm going to take a break, play this uh, clip here of uh, this is actually Head Six from later in the new Battlestar Galactica run, setting uh, Baltar straight. So listen to this. It's a little choppy because I think they edited a few words out for this clip. But um, listen to this. I don't know about me. We're alive together. How romantic. You have to destroy that Cylon detector mine the sabotage on Cylon Age of Teledama. Oh! No, you won't. You complete the project just as I told you. Will I? Don't make me angry, Gus. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. One of the really interesting and cool things about uh, the new Battlestar Galactica was this this ongoing theme about you know what it was to be human again and and also how you knew <clears throat> excuse me how you could tell the the Cylons these new human looking Cylons from from human real humans and you know Baltar was was uh, supposedly created this this test this little 
way of you know detecting a, a Cylon from a human. Uh, you had other characters, other people later in the show. Uh, if you've never seen Battlestar, I'm not really spoiling anything, but a really cool thing that they did at one point on the show was characters you'd followed for a while. It turned out to be Cylons, and they actually didn't even realize it. So real, real interesting way of looking at things and themes that they, they did on that show that I that I feel that, that brings us to sort of the present day of the way uh, artificial beings have been per- portrayed in in sci-fi right <clears throat> what is wrong with my voice <laughs> like that recent movie ghost in the shell with scarlett johansson who is uh, you know this artificial creation um but um so sort of artificial and sort of human too but uh, uh anyway uh let's get into a, a couple of others there is a uh, a very cool show called Humans uh, that um, I've been watching two seasons I think so far, uh, and, and the you know it's set in the near future. It, it's a BBC show or a, or a British you know made show imported and shown over here. And um, the 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 idea here with this series is that uh, you know in the, in the near future there's been this you know, great advancement in creating artificial robotics, androids, beings that you can pretty much order uh, a home, you know, assistant, Uh, whether it's to clean your house or or do other things or whatever for you. (laughs) You can use your own imagination about that. But, um, But then, you know, the point of this show is that some of them become conscious, you know, that they they're, they're pro, they go beyond their programming where they basically get free will of their own. They can make their own decisions, choices. They have emotions. And it's like a switch that's flipped, basically, some, somewhat literally, actually. And uh, I, I just find this, again, this, this, this concept pretty fascinating just because I, I have no doubt that in, you know, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, whatever it'll take, that that the world will be filled with, you know, basically artificial beings, we'll call it, that will be pretty indistinguishable be- from me and you. I, I have no doubt that eventually we'll get to being able to create something like a data. Uh, the level of computer technology and sophistication and artificial intelligence is, is certainly going that way. And it's it's going so quickly that it, it'll be interesting how that how it's handled and some of the themes that they did with data on Star Trek whether he was he was his own you know like the measure of the classic the measure of a man uh, episode where whether he had rights you know he was human enough to to have rights and not be property of Starfleet or whatever um, that's just an amazing cool thing to think about and uh let me find a little bit of uh, some clips from humans uh and if you haven't watched that show check it out i i don't know if it's on netflix or not i think there are just two seasons maybe 10 episodes each i think the first season maybe had 12 um but it's pretty cool and uh definitely worth watching if this stuff interests you so here's a little bit from the tv show humans just need your autograph there Joe, this is the best thing you will do for your family. Plus, 30 days to return, no questions asked. Go on, Dad. What if she's not pretty? Can we change her if she's not pretty? Just follow the instructions on the tablet and you'll have it configured in no time. 
There she blows then. Your brand new synthetic. Unique styling, one of a kind. Uh, standard domestic profile installed. That'll cover all your basic housework. I'll leave you to crack on. Right then. Dandelion 3, Waterfall 2, Hummingbird 1, Seashell. Hello. I'm now in setup mode and ready for primary user bonding. I'm the primary user, Joseph Hawkins. Joe. A DNA sample will be taken for identification and security purposes. This information will never be shared with any third-party organization. Hello, Joe. I'm now securely bonded to you as my primary user. It's very nice to meet you. That means she's ours. Okay. Yay! Right. Now what do we do? So, yeah, this this show, Humans, is... Uh, is, is they have these stores. They're kind of like Apple stores, and you go in and you you buy your your synth, right? They that's what they call it, uh, which is a cool name. And but it's it really brings a lot of points. You know, he, this guy brings this this synth home to the home, and and it, it's just so eerily human like that that you you almost don't know how to handle it. You know, people. Uh, we, you know, I'm a big fan of, or big fan. That's not the right word to use. A, a big uh, animal lover. I love dogs, cats, whatever, pets. And and you know, you have a. You know, we have a big golden retriever, Kaylee, and uh, and it, you know, a, a, a dog that doesn't really look like a human, but it becomes you become so attached to your dog. Uh, at least I do, and I think most people who are pet owners do. Uh, that. Um, they're you're you're bonded you're emotional connected to that uh animal and you know this is something that walks on four legs has a bunch of fur doesn't really look like a person so can you imagine the emotional connection to uh a synth that has you know that looks just like us i mean it's just there are so many um things and emotions and and society and family and impact that that could have it's pretty incredible to think about, really, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast. You know, the early part of the show, talking earlier part of the show, talking about robots and things are cool, but you know, we've gotten to the point with with computers and artificial intelligence and VR and in all kinds of things that, um, and then you know, do these beings eventually surpass us? Do they become conscious? Do they become? Uh, do they have their own? You know. Are they alive? Is is the is it, it's just it's just something that I that really because I'm a I'm big into computers and tech and stuff and I know that we're getting to this point in in time where programs can almost be self replicating. Think about you know everyone keeps hearing about probably a lot of people do at least I do because I'm in the auto industry uh, self driving cars. One of the things that I think about when I think about whether it's an artificial human. Uh, or even a self-driving car is is programming. My my younger son Eric is a computer programmer, so you know the basics of computer programming are this: you you have to be able to put in code that that accounts for lots of things, right? Lots of possibilities. If you're making a game, you've got to put in code to account for well, what if the care the person does X, Y, or Z right in the game? You have to account for how that's handled, right? Uh, and uh, if you create the code to drive a car, you have to have code in there. One of the things I always think about with artificial, um, uh, or not artificial, but self-driving cars that are programmed to drive is how it 
goes through the decision-making process when it drives, right? The, you know, driving a car is involves, and I'm kind of getting to a point, I am, I really am, uh, it involves a million decisions, right? Uh, one decision I always think about with a self-driving car is this scenario. And, and again, these are kind of unique things, So, but, but it's simply this. You're driving down a road. Let's say you're driving along a road that has like a, on one side is is a, is it's a one lane road each way, and on a, to the right of you is like a, a deep ravine. Like if you turned your car that way, you would go off the road and your car would tumble and something like that, for example. All right, and then all of a sudden, let's say a dog jumps in front of your car, right? Do you swerve uh, and possibly go off into that ravine with the car? Let's say you're driving, right? And, and injure yourself, could even kill yourself to avoid hitting a dog, right? Now, I, I, I think most people try to avoid impacts anyway, right? But would a computer-controlled car go, oh, would it, would it analyze the situation and say, well, your life is more important than the dog. I'm just going to hit the dog and, and go on. Therefore, I won't go off the ravine, right? Now, you take that same scenario. Let's say it's a little kid. Let's say there's a little kid that runs across the road, do you die, you know? Do you swerve to avoid the kid and then possibly kill yourself, or what? Do, what does the computer? How do you program that into a machine? You know, how, how do you how do you do that? How do you? I, I just don't understand how they could program that in. I mean, no one even there isn't even in some of these scenarios not even necessarily a perfect or a right decision, right? Um, uh, it, it's just that kind of stuff that I think about when I think about all the things that, you know, I'm not saying human drivers are perfect, far from it. And I think overall, I have a big confidence in technology. So I think overall, computer aided or computer controlled cars would drive better, uh, uh, you know, overall than the average human, you know, for, for example, if you looked at all the percentages, I think a computer, you know, that's programmed right would would probably drive a car better than most a lot of people do. Uh, but it's just interesting to think about. And this, re again, revolves around, you know, let's say you create these synthetic humans, you know, how do you program them? What do you decide to do? You know, what, what how, you know, you have to be able to program all these different possibilities in. And the, the other alternative that really gets interesting to think about is the idea of having a, uh, a set of code and programming that actually can learn right that actually can evolve and learn from it, or on its own it's it's programming it actually learns from decisions like like let's use the example of like a synthetic like in the future you bring home this synthetic robot or whatever and 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 maybe maybe it has a recipe for chicken something some kind of food let's just say it has a recipe for some kind of dish that it's making you for dinner and you eat it and you go, Ooh, I didn't really like that. It, it didn't, it was kind of bland, you know, maybe it was something like supposed to be spicy chicken or something like that. And you, so the machine would have a, a, a program in for the recipe, right? But would it have the ability to change that recipe on, on the whim of like when Lynn will try out new recipes for me, I'll say, oh yeah, I like that. Or it could have used a little more of this or that or whatever. Would the machine be able to update itself? Or would you have to go in there and code it? But could you just say, hey, synthetic unit 101 or whatever that I have here, um, I, 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 that chicken was kind of okay, but it was kind of bland. Can you spice it up next time? You can give it some kind of general verbiage like that. And would it be able to sort of 
go beyond its programming a little bit. This brings into my my mind a little bit of uh, V'ger from from T you know TMP the the motion picture the start first Star Trek was this this probe that goes out into the universe and it, and it encounters this machine race right and it and it and it it makes it a it evolves that machine a little bit more and then the point of TMP at the end of course there is that is that Voyager um, V'ger wants to evolve even further and, and and become even you know more human like in a way uh the, it's just super cool stuff to think about i i feel and i one of the reasons i'm excited to see that new blade runner movie because a lot of these kinds of think thoughts and and concepts and ideas you know were involved in the first blade runner film and and i think we're going to see a lot more of that even in the blade runner 2049 it's called right so uh yeah, hey, bring it on. I'm all for all this stuff. It's just cool to watch, cool to talk about, cool to think about. I think I'm going to kind of wind it down now. Uh, I think I've covered this the way I wanted to, and and I thought it was a real interesting thing to do as a, as a single show. And, you know, I've talked about a lot of these characters, these androids, these robots, um, and things uh, at different times over over the years on the podcast, but I really wanted to kind of bring it all together a little bit. And and I know I didn't, uh, you know, I should have said at the beginning, I didn't come anywhere near covering all the different, you know, robots and androids on TV, but I think I did a pretty good cross-section uh, of where we were and where we've come to now. Uh, I, I think putting, um, putting this out, uh, you know, at this day and time where, you know, you have these, like, assistants, like I have... Uh, you know, the the Amazon assistant over here. I don't want to say her name because uh, then she'll activate, right? Alexa, tell me a joke. Why did so many bakers show up to math class? Because they heard they could learn about pie. <laughs> I don't know if you guys could hear that, but, uh, but uh, I get a kick out of uh, using... Um, that assistant and and each you know week they add new functions and stuff and you can play music via it and check on the weather sports scores if if that's interest you know uh movie times movies are playing in your area but anyway uh, this is just going to keep getting more and more advanced as time goes on and i uh, i'm excited by it uh, and sometimes a little paranoid you know because it's the you know the other added you know common thing with uh in sci-fi is the machines take over, right? Like in the Terminator world, uh, that, uh, that we create artificial beings or, or the Cylons in Battlestar Galactica. And then they go, you know, we're better than you guys and we're just going to wipe you out. <laughs> so we got to watch out for that. Have a kill switch in there, have a way to deactivate them easily. So, uh, okay, folks. Uh, I think that wraps it up for now. Uh, like I said, uh, no show next week. Uh, I'm going to be traveling, and then in two weeks, you're going to get a special podcast, a guest show. Uh, it'll be Mark here covering uh, the uh, classic 80s film, Krull, which I've loved for years. I've, I've talked about it a few times on different shows, and I don't think I ever devoted a whole podcast to it, though. So he's going to be here then uh, to talk about that. And then I'll, I'll be back, and I guess towards the end of July... Uh, and uh, my next show will be about. Uh, I'm going to look at it on an overview basis uh, at the Star Trek animated. Mm, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, at the Star Trek animated series, I've covered episodes before, but I wanted to kind of give it an overview and cover about the history of the show, how it came to be, some of the episodes, and 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 so forth. So 
that's what's going on. So I hope you guys enjoyed this look at robots, androids, synthetic humans. Uh, I, I just find the topic pretty fascinating, as you can probably tell. And uh, I, I enjoy uh, I always enjoy geeking out about things like this. So I'm going to end us with, uh, I think, a, 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 an appropriate song uh, by, uh, you know, uh, a group that I love. And uh, I think uh, that's about it. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to, again, support the show, patreon.com forward slash treks and sci-fi. And thanks so much for downloading and listening each week. And uh, a review on iTunes is always welcome as well. So take care, everyone. I'm going to be posting. Uh, join us on uh, the Treks and Sci-Fi Facebook group. I'll probably post a few pictures and videos from Germany while I'm over there and just for fun. And uh, if you're not a member of the, the group, there's a Treks and Sci-Fi Facebook group. And, of course, there's a page as well. But the group is where we hang out, discuss things and stuff. And, and stuff. So um, take care, everyone. I'll talk to you again in a few weeks when I'm back. And uh, that's it. Bye.
Machines to save our lives Machines to This has been a Rico Dusty podcast production.